This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people, and their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, what is iterability? Dr. Peter Coogan returns to tell us what it means for our favorite superheroes, plus secrets of Starling City, flashbacks of Force Friday, and a rollicking roster of reviews, news, and the usual flood, fire, frost, and frippery. Affable Ashley, scintillating Stephen, and malicious Matthew have taken to the internets for your listening entertainment because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 641 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. We say that every week, but we truly, truly, we truly mean it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we truly appreciate everyone who's been using that Amazon link over at Majorspoilers.com. Every time you yeah. use that Amazon link and you make a purchase, doesn't matter what you buy, whether it be a big screen TV or maybe it's a, a, a bulk supply of Q-tips, a little bit comes back <laughs> our way. You don't pay anything extra. And it allows us to do shows like this week after week and bring fine people like Ashley Victoria Robinson to this show. Ashley, thank you for coming back again this week. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you, you were in the great wilds of Canada. Uh, in as much as a big city is the wilds. Yes, I was. <laughs> what, what's the population of, uh, what, what are you in, uh, Toronto? Um, I, I, no, I went to Fredericton, oh, okay. um, which most Americans don't know. And it's, uh, it's on the East Coast. It is further east uh, than the United States goes. Hey, all right. Um, so you're and in the ocean. yes, exactly. And the population is about 56,000. It's more than my little town of 30,000 people. So that's true. you've it's got less that than going my little you. town of 250,000 people. There you go. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot more moose, um, in that area. I would I'm hazard. sure there are. I'm sure there are. Well, we are glad that you are back for a couple Wait, of you're reasons. You're from New Brunswick. No, I I was conceived there, and that's where my mom lives. Hey. Oh, <laughs> hey. I thought you were a newfie. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I, I grew up in Ontario, which is above Michigan. And that's in like uh, the thing. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, it's the middle one. Sort of. <laughs> anyway, we are glad to have you back, Ashley. Lance Storm. For a couple of reasons. Next week kicks off Redshirt Diaries Season 2. And I am super excited about this. This is Monday, September 14th. You can find it over at Jawin on the, on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. J-A- or- What's that? Or or, or or on theredshirtdiaries.com. Theredshirtdiaries.com. Got to put the the in there. It is paramount. Yes. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> da, da, da. Oh, paramount <laughs> she's, joke. She's back it. and she's got it. Uh, but you're doing something <laughs> this Friday. We are this Friday in Hollywood at the IO West Improv on Hollywood Boulevard. We are having a, a live event. We're screening the first five episodes, um, some bonus content. Most of our cast and crew is going to be there. It's free to get in, and there's a bar. It starts at 7 o'clock. So if anybody within the sound of my voice lives in L.A. and is not doing anything on Friday at 7 o'clock, 
should come and see Redshirt Diaries. I know that there are a lot of you all along the West Coast that want to make a special trip down to Hollywood to check this out. That's I would right. encourage you to do it. I know that there are a lot of great people involved in this season. And uh, like I said, cannot wait till Monday when the first episode drops. There have been uh, teasers and trailers all over the Majorspoilers.com website, as well as at The Redshirt Diaries. And you've got a Facebook page and a whole bunch of other stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. And if you watch the first and the second episode, one Steven Schleicher is in it. Oh, gosh. I am. I was yes. waiting for me to be cut out of that episode completely. No, you sound amazing. Okay, cool. I'll check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Does, does he play Sarek? No, I do no. not. He plays it. It's, it's uh, going to be. Our, it's, think so. about the think about season two and the first two episodes of season two. Well, season one. Let's see. There's a thing in the thing. In or does this it's, pick it's up season two? It's technically the eleventh episode of season okay, one. Okay, there you go. We, it's oh. it's it's the menagerie and the menagerie part two. Yep. So you guys oh. want to check this out? I get to play Pike. I get to sit around in a wheelchair going beep boop beep boop. And he nailed oh, so it. So it's perfect. It's perfectly within your <laughs> wheelhouse. Yes, exactly. Hey, let's I speak. Steven. We're going to be talking and you guys will want to check out uh, this week's top five because Ashley and Jason Inman will be joining us this week on top five as we talk about the top five Star Trek episodes. You're yes. going to want to tune in and listen to that as well. But before we get into too much Star Trek talk, including this week's Star Trek Green Lantern uh, crossover issue number three. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some Star Wars stuff. <gasps> so Star Wars Thursday, stuff? Thursday, Lucasfilm, Disney did this whole worldwide unboxing day that was leading up to the, all the new toys being available on Friday. They called it Force Friday, and a lot of people had flashbacks to 1999 when Toys R Us and uh, Target and all those places opened at midnight, and people got their hands on tons and tons of Star Wars stuff. That was the idea this year. Did any of you guys participate? We no. bought the Sphero BB-8 online. Ah, okay. That's like participating. At least you got right? one. Well, I, I I don't think it's going to ship for like the next 10 years, but... Oh, okay. But you ordered <laughs> but we, it on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I would count that as participation. But I, I definitely didn't go out to the Toys R Us. I went out... Um, I thought about going out at midnight because I had gone to Walmart on Thursday to grab some stuff. And they had a whole aisle that was just completely bare. Uh, they had taken everything down. I was like, hmm, I wonder what's going to be here at midnight. Oh, you posted a great picture of that. Yeah. and then, But the odd thing was I went at 8 o'clock the next morning because I was like, eh, I'll stop by after I drop the kids off at, at uh, school and I'll see what they have because I was really looking for a couple of Lego sets. And I found one of the Lego sets. But the weird thing was they were still putting merchandise on the shelves at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I'm wondering oh, if they didn't even do anything at midnight. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, where else did I go? Oh, our Hastings had a catastrophe. They <laughs> they had big sign out front on on uh, that whole week saying, "Be sure to come in at midnight at uh, on Friday for our big Force Friday sale, Star Wars Star Wars toys for everyone in the family." And I went on Friday afternoon, and I was like, because I wanted to see if maybe they had a BB eight there, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I saw one little cardboard standee that had some posters and some pins. I bought a BB eight pin and then they had a a rack that they were trying to put out on the shelves that had like maybe six action figures. Mm -hmm. And as I was checking out, I was like, did you guys have a midnight release? And, um, and you guys were flooded with people that came in and she looks at me and she's like, I'm so mad. And I'm like, what? And she lowers her voice really low. Like she didn't want anybody to know (laughs) they didn't get their shipment of stuff in. Oh, and so they had nothing 
to to sell besides these pins and posters and nobody was wow. buying anything. I did see a couple of other people. I did post an Instagram picture of the Hastings display that they had and it was all old Star Wars stuff. But I saw a couple of other people wandering around the store and taking a picture of their little poster pin display and mm-hmm. I think they were also posting it online and making fun of, of our local <laughs> Hastings. So uh, we don't have a Target. Uh, we didn't go to Walgreens for anything. I did not go to Radio Shack. That was the other place where I thought about getting a, a BB-8 but I did not venture to that place. Matthew, did you partake in uh, Force Friday? You're not a big uh, fake holiday sales shopping person. I'm not. You couldn't pay me to go on Wanamaker Avenue on a Friday night. I mean, it, I don't care if there's a Rilo Kylie lightsaber or not. You know, you you, <laughs> you just, I mean, Wanamaker is a nightmare on the best of times. Midnight on a Friday, combining shoppers with the drunkards. Ah, no, not, not me. I did, however walk through a store afterwards and see that they either, and I want to say it was a Walmart. It was either a Walmart or a Target. It was either the Walmart or the Target. I don't remember which, but yeah, they were, they were gutted. Whatever they had, there was like literally nothing left. Well, and and here's the thing. They either didn't get any or didn't have any left. Well, here's the thing. There were a number of people that I was following and checking in uh, multiple times throughout Thursday night and into Friday. Uh, Some places said that they had like two of every action figure and that was it which was like wow. 12 action figures. Uh, some places said that the lines were really long. One of our, uh, one of our uh, followers on Twitter, she had posted that she and her brother went out to, to Target to try to get the, uh, the pop vinyl Star Wars figures. And the line was so long, she's like, there's no way I'm getting this. Kevin Smith tried to go to, to- Toys R Us uh, Friday morning, and they hadn't opened yet until 11, so he wasn't able to get stuff. And then I saw people that were like, hey, we figured that there were going to be hundreds of people lined up. We got there an hour ahead of time, and there were only 30 people total in line. And I'd heard that story multiple times from places of there were not that many people that turned out. So I'm wondering if this is gonna if this was as big a success as Disney had hoped. Um, I don't know. I don't see BB-8 going uh, up on eBay for thousands and thousands of dollars. So there must not there be a mad rush for these thousands of BB-8. There's also the fact that you know it, the the names that you discussed. I do not live in a large city. Of the names you discuss, there are probably, well, let's see, we have five Walmarts, we have a Target, we have a Toys Ain't Cheap. I mean, there are 12, 13 places in Topeka alone that you could go to purchase these Oh, items. sure. In you 1999, do you remember the, the, the toy frenzy of 99? Oh I, was in a, I was in Atlanta at the time, so I know that the Toys R Us that was just around the corner from where I worked, there were probably 300 people that lined up that day to get toys mm-hmm. that night. And I went in the next day after work. And the the store was just gutted and the employees looked shell-shocked. That's um, what it's like here because we went out on Saturday to see if there was maybe anything, you know, that was left. And there wasn't much. And uh, a friend of ours went to the Toys R Us in the Valley and he showed me a line of like 100 people at 11 mm-hmm, o'clock at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it in, might be – it's crazier in bigger centers. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And I, I'm just – for me, the whole concept – I think was a brilliant move by Disney, at least from the marketing and promotion side, because in January and February, we have toy fair that goes on in New York. And that's where all the toy distributors show their wares for the year. And here's what's going to be coming out in October and all this stuff. And this year at toy fair, Disney only showed star Wars rebels stuff. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, what's going on with the force awakens stuff. And I had said by October, they have to have the stuff out in the stores by October. And then of course they did this huge worldwide unboxing that uh, people were tuning into. And then they said, okay, tomorrow you can go to the store and you can get all these toys or most of the toys uh, for sale. And I thought that that was just a really great marketing move. 
And I predict because we have basically uh, major Star Wars films every other year, not the spinoff movies, but the major Star Wars uh, films. I think they're going to do this every time this comes up. It's also an interesting kind of timeline to have all this happen in October because that's more than enough time for them to restock in time for the yes, Christmas rush. Exactly. Exactly. Doing it now. Do, yeah. They so I get just your early really shoppers smart. in who want to, you know, buy their Christmas gifts now. And some some people do. But then you also have you take into account in ninety nine things were nuts here. Yes. Uh-huh. Because I actually I actually worked on the north end of Wanamaker in the television station. And the day that or the days that this was going on, I actually had to drive down through there and it was a nightmare. I'm but, wondering you know, part of me wonders if the if the ninety nine rush was not the speculator market going crazy because Star Wars toys, I mean, we'd had Star Wars toys being produced. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all the first three movies. You didn't have any new action figures coming out. And those toys that were out, people who had an original Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever could sell those for a mint mm-hmm. if they were still in the box and new. And so I'm wondering if there wasn't this whole speculator rush of let me go out and grab these toys now so that they'll be worth something later. And then to come to find out that they you know, made a million of these toys to where right. they're still the same price today. If that didn't turn some people off this time around saying, uh, you know what? Well, it's Disney. It's Star Wars. I could probably go Christmas Eve and pick up every single one of these toys if I wanted mm-hmm. to. Well, and, you know, 15 years is a long time. So it had been 15 years since Return of the Jedi when that happened. But I think that the difference between 1999 and 2015 is partly the expectation of we haven't had any new Star Wars for in forever. And the last Star Wars we had was the original trilogy and it was really awesome. And then there's the question of now we haven't had any Star Wars in forever and they just mooted our expanded universe. And, you know, the last Star Wars we had was the prequels, which had kind of a mixed review. I think there may be a a more mixed expectation of Star Wars quality levels than there was in 1999. Mm. Well, and also it's too, a larger series. They've been making action figures and Star Wars toys basically True. nonstop. So yeah. for real though. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So um, it was an interesting, I, I kind of got a little giddy about it. Um, but at the same time, I, I thought about going out at midnight, but I was like, no way I'm not going out at midnight. Uh, I haven't gone out for a midnight release since the release of, uh, what was it? Burning Crusade? No, not Burning Crusade. Whatever the second release of, uh, Burning World of Man. Warcraft was. Yes, Burning, Burning Man. Man. I haven't gone out and, <laughs> and burned things since Burning Man. Going uh, to Burning Man. We are getting Burning closer Man. and closer Man. to the new season of Arrow and The Flash. <gasps> and a brand new Arrow trailer has landed online. Ashley Victoria Robinson, have you watched this? And what were your thoughts? Um, I watched it. I think it's all very interesting. And I think that Diggle looks like Magneto. I know. I saw that too. I was like, <laughs> what the what the what? I thought that was really weird. But I'm really intrigued by, I mean, they, they stuffed a whole bunch of cameos into it, of course. Um, nice to see John Constantine because mm-hmm. Matt Ryan is amazing. I'm hoping, and it seems like this from the tone of the trailer, I'm hoping it's a return to more of what we saw in season two mm-hmm. um, as opposed to season three. But uh, Arrow is, of, of the DC shows, Arrow is my favorite. So I'm in oh, all the way cool. in like Flynn. Mr. Terrific uh, made an appearance as well more than once in that uh, trailer. Constantine was, was only in there once. Was and Mr. Mr. Terrific, Terrific is, the guy hanging out with Felicity? Yes. And what a great idea if you can't have, uh, you obviously can't have Superman. Uh-huh. And, you, and you know, and you, you can't have Supergirl or Superboy in that show. Probably Mr. Terrific is a great Superman analog to have, I think. Oh, on yeah. On the show. Yeah, definitely. And, and the only problem is he's not going by um, Michael. 
in this series. He's going by, what is his first name? It starts with a C. I forget off the top of my head, but uh, he's not going by Michael. Uh, Michael Holt. Michael Holt. It's like Carter Holt or something. I forget. It's It starts with a C. Oh, weird. Maybe it's because oh. in uh, Flash, we're going to get Booster Gold and his name is Michael. That might be it as well. It'd be too Steve confusing. Limit. Might be. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but I mean, you saw, and then you also saw, uh, what's his name? Dark appear in the Damien Dark, Damian yeah, Dark yeah. appears in the in the show as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up in Arrow. And I just I got a kick out of the fact that they're like, oh, we don't know if we're going to have Constantine in the show or not. Oh, here he is. Was that Mia Dearden as Speedy? Uh, it, it looks it's, like there's it's, a female Speedy. Speedy yeah, there is. is a, Speedy is. Um, oh, my God. It's, it's Thea. Yeah. Thea. Whatever. Whatever mm-hmm. that actress's name is. I don't know. There's a W in it. Well, we can certainly find that Matthew on the IMDb because she oh. was in the she was in the um, finale. That's the yeah. word I want. Yep, Thea. Yeah, that's his sister in the show. Yeah, she she suits up because uh, Roy leaves and gives him her. Uh, Willa Holland is her name. Willa Holland. Yep. Okay. Um, I thought she was playing Mia Dearden, who was the female Speedy that Judd Winnick created in the nineties. No, uh-uh. no, she's Oliver's sister. And she was even called Speedy in the first episode. So Speedy, Speedy. Yep. Okay. All sorts is of good Roy stuff. Roy still in it. It made me almost want um, to watch Arrow. Roy is not. Roy left, and the I people keep thinking that he's going to like spin off into the Teen Titans show, mm-hmm. but he is not part of Arrow as far as I know going forward. Diggle's helmet looked to me like maybe a take on the Guardian. That was know. my second. Oh, that was my second thought. But man, when you first see it for that first reaction with the way that it's kind of <laughs> got the the spiky yeah, bits going the back, and yeah, the and then and then the the T in the middle, it's like wow, that looks a lot like Magneto. But yeah, I could see the Guardian going off of that. I'm but hoping Diggle gets an part. actual alias and like a super powered name and everything because really, what good is a team up show without a million guys with powers? Did they kill Ray Palmer? No, no. He gave the company over to Felicity and ambiguously left to go be part of Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. And we'll see more it, of him throughout. It that. looks like there's a thing that says in memory of Ray Palmer early in the trailer. Mm, nope. He's still alive. Oh, no. That was the thing. And that's because that's the tie in into DC Legends of Tomorrow. If you go and watch the big, long sizzle trailer for DC Legends of Tomorrow, he mm-hmm. pops up from his small size and everyone's like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, no, I just shrank down and have been out of sight. So, well, that'll be cool. Instead Star of him just City. being a lot like Iron Man. Mm-hmm. They've renamed it Star City, which is good. Yeah, they, ta- they teased that in the last episode of the last season and they never paid off with that. So that's and he also, uh, Stephen Amell, when he was at uh, Comic-Con, called himself Green Arrow. So Yes, he did. Yay! He's got a whole new so- suit, but I doubt they're going to change the name of the show. Well, they don't have to change the name of the show. The name of the show is Arrow. It doesn't have to be about him. Of course it does. No, it doesn't. All right, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find out all of these stories and more. And don't forget Red Shirt Diaries this Friday, 7 p.m. down in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Show up for the first five episodes. When will I expect my plane ticket so that I can go, Ashley? When all the fairies come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> we're all clapping that's a, for that's that's a, yes only people fans because that's where i belong hollywood boulevard yes yes you certainly belong there i can get a moldy elmo suit and dance oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
you sound like you've run into moldy Elmo there, Ashley. Uh, oh yeah. I, I- I used to live in Hollywood, and now I'm really glad that I don't live in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, there, are, there are pictures of Widget on Hollywood Boulevard where literally a couple of performers practically took her hostage. I, yeah, a friend of mine, right. A friend of mine was living in Hollywood for a while in the um, late 80s, early 90s. And then when I was moving out there, he's like, oh, yeah, you definitely have to go move out to Hollywood. I was like, forget that. There's a weird conclave of people who live there who really love it. Yeah. Um, and then everybody else – doesn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Loves it less. I, I moved yeah. down to boring, quieter vine, so much mm-hmm. nicer. Uh, anyway, let us get to some reviews. Reviews. So this week, King Tiger number two arrives from Dark Horse Comics, picks right up where the last issue left off with all these people dying and a giant uh, demon starting to take form. And this issue, I don't know how much I want to spoil about this, but we find out all about Tiger's father we find out about Tiger's brothers and sisters, and we find out the secret about what Tiger really is. <gasps> and don't it's, spoiler don't. it. I haven't read it, it yet. It is. It is really. It's a really good story for a, a second chapter because by the time you reach the end and you find out what dra- uh, uh, King Tiger's uh, or Tiger's destiny is, what he was supposed to fulfill, and why his father is angry at him and everything. It's like, well, what are they, what are they going to do for the rest of this this series? Because oh my gosh, they have now a big corner to come around and figure out how he redeems and saves the day and all this stuff. It was really really good story. I was hanging on every page. I've had this issue for two weeks. I've been dying to talk about it, and of course, we finally can now that the issue comes out uh, this week. Art by uh, Doug Wheatley is fantastic as always. And if you like King Tiger from the 90s, you're going to love King Tiger today. It is a book that you want to pick up. I would definitely, you definitely need to pick up issue one if, if, if you're going to understand issue two. But it's fantastic. King Tiger number two from Dark Horse Comics. I've been giving it four slices of meatloaf. Wow. Go pick it up. It's a good read. King Tiger is the best. Yes. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for us from Marvel Comics this week? Silver Surfer number 14. Which is sort of, kind of, but not exactly a Secret Wars tie-in. It's a Last Days issue, which means that they're wrapping up the titles, but it's not actually tied directly into Secret Wars. And the reason why is when Earth-616 and the Ultimate Universe crashed into one another, the surfer was off-planet, and he and his sidekick, Dawn, outsurfed the end of the world and escaped the actual universe into a quasi-empty reality where the world no longer exists. So they landed in a Chuck Jones cartoon. No. It's more like that episode of Doctor Who, which is interesting because the new Silver Surfer is essentially Doctor Who. He's this weird alien with amazing powers, and she's his cute sidekick, and he shows her the universe, and they have kind of a, a you know romance subtext. And I'm totally down with that for two reasons. One... It's really well written. Dan Slott does a heck of a job. And two, it's Mike Albert Art. But there's one thing in this issue. There, there is a serpent in the metaphorical, metaphysical Eden. Is it Quetzalcoatl? No. No. Oh. That man's name is Glorian. Mm. Now, if you know your Marvel history, you know no. two things about Glorian. Mm. First, Glorian works for the Shaper of Worlds, who is an omnicosmic being who is one of the fundamental cosmic giant universal frasifrus. He's like above Galactus in the power charts. That should tell you a little bit about the Shaper. And Glorian is a, how can I say, lying bag of dirt. 
without <laughs> He doesn't tell know. the truth. Glorian is a lying sack of dirt. And so in this issue, Glorian convinces the surfer and Dawn to rebuild the universe using the power of the Shaper of Worlds, who is, by the way, unconscious. And I'll bet you even money that Glorian had something to do with it. Dawn accidentally brings back her home and her family. And her father immediately says, why don't you bring back your mom, too? And she's like, but mom died. Dun, dun, dun. And then Glorian and the surfers start rebuilding the entire universe. And he's building planets and galaxies and entire races of people. And then he starts to rebuild Galactus. And Glorian is like, are you sure? I mean, you could make this a better universe. And the surfer says, fine, there shall be no Galactus. So he starts rebuilding a perfect universe. And then Dawn starts rebuilding a perfect universe. And then suddenly the Shaper of Worlds slowly opens his giant omniscient eyes and says, the shape of every world is wrong. Dun, dun, dun. To be continued. Oh, man, they're all supposed to be uh, uh, hexagons. The hexagram, hexagramagons, yeah, yes. gramagons. Not, not uh, round balls in, in space. The genius of any Silver Surfer story in this is not that plot, because that plot really tells you basically what's going to happen in the issue. The genius is the interplay. The genius is the dialogue and the quiet moments and the really weird stuff that happens. And the fact that much like the 10th Doctor and Rose, the surfer and Dawn never actually tell each other that they're completely in love. And if they do, hint, hint, he said, hinting broadly, something wrong is happening. But basically, this is one of those moments where we're kind of looking at the nature of reality and could you go back in time and kill X evil person to make a better universe if you had that power and the surfer and Dawn are starting to fall to the wrong side of things. And of course, next issue, I think is the last issue of the silver surfer before the, the cosmic whammy hits at the end of secret wars. But this is really good. This is really good. Mike Alred goes nuts because he's recreating universes and planets. And there's a two-page spread where Glorian and the surfer are just surfing to and fro, zipping around, rebuilding the intergalactic sandwich shop, rebuilding the weird pleasure planet, rebuilding the planet of giant brains. And it's just gorgeous. It's, it's literally like Slot said, come up with some of the craziest, most visually insane beautiful stuff you can stick it on the page have your wife color it and then we'll sell it to people and those people will be suffused with joy and that's what happens in this four slice of meatloaf affair silver surfer number 14 for marvel comics i recommend this whole series frankly i'll recommend anything with mike alred art but i recommend this because the writing is up to the caliber of the art and that's that's hard to do it really is hard to have the art and the story fighting for which is the better awesomeness. Mm. That's what Silver Surfer number 14 does. Excellent. Cool. Thank you for that, Matthew. And Ashley, mm-hmm. f- all the way from Boom Studios. Yeah. No, no, no. She's on the West Coast. Yes. Same That's where thing. Boom Studios, Boom Studios is, is this year. Yep. You got Lumberjanes number 17. I do have Lumberjanes number 17. It's a fantastic series. It is so good. And something that I really like and I really, really value in comics is something that works for all ages, something that works for children and is clever enough for adults. And I think that Lumberjane strikes that balance in a really, really interesting way while still being like they drop a lot of very feminist 
references into some of the things that the girls say, but there's definitely that manic sense of adventure that comes with a bunch of kids left to their own devices. Probably not always the best choice. Um, we have a guest artist, um, Kat Lay? Leigh? I think that's why I said Leigh. Um, who, who, um, according to the internet, is the artist of Steven Universe. Yep. Um, she, she brings a really cute style to the book that I really appreciate because um, earlier on in the series, they had a fill-in artist who um, did a really good job in her style, but I didn't care for it for these characters. And I feel like Kat of the questionable last name, um, <laughs> does her style really, really meshes with that kind of manic energy, probably because Steven Universe is based on a cartoon and Lumberjanes has that Adventure Time kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, this issue is the penultimate issue in this arc. It is the second to last. So we have a lot of the main plot points being wrapped up. And the last issue is probably going to be them all remembering how much they like each other and how working together is just the best. Um, but in 17, <laughs> we get a Mad Max joke. We get the adults in charge learning a lesson and we get uh, all the girls and the one boy who's now part of the team um, teaming up together. And so there's a lot of parallel plots in this, which they feel like the writers are kind of using to teach us more about the adult characters like Rosie, the camp counselor. We learn uh, was a camper herself once and she was in love with her fellow camper named Abigail and the young um, in the lumberjanes, Mally and Maul are having a little a little cute thing. Um, And then, yeah, spoilers. And then uh, Rosie (laughs) learns kind of the hard way about how you have to treat somebody if you want them to stay with you. And that's where a lot of the danger comes from. So I think it's just, Lumberjanes number 17 does everything that the series does really, really well. It's really clever. It's really cute. It has a really smart structure to it. And it looks good. And you can give it to anyone that you know, and they will enjoy it just as much as I did. So for me, this is almost a perfect book, so I would give it four slices of meatloaf out of five. What What didn't you like it? What didn't you like? Um, I didn't like – they had a scene that I felt was a little bit like um, a lesson that we learned in a previous story arc that I oh. didn't need to be rehashed. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was valid and it was, it was well done, but I was like, well, I've seen this before. Like, let's do something different. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what would keep me from saying that this is a perfect issue of Lumberjanes. Cool. Excellent. All right. By the way, you. her Twitter handle is KM Lay, which makes me think it's pronounced Lay. Cool. There you go. Miss okay. Lay. You can head over to Majorspoilers.com for many, many more reviews, including Chris Wilson's look at Deadpool versus Thanos number one. You while you're over there, I would encourage you to sign up for the major spoilers um email list where we don't spam you too much. Uh, in fact, we don't spam you, but uh, if you're looking for a very quick look at the major spoiler staff picks. Those go out every morning uh, to your email box. So even if you don't have a chance to check out the website at work, you can check on that and find what books we are recommending for the week. And uh, if there's anything else that pops up, you'll find it there in the email list. So go sign up today for that. Um, yes. I want to thank our sponsor this week, tweakedaudio.com. Uh, Tweaked Audio has these fantastic Earbuds, earphones, whatever you want to call them. They come in a bunch of different styles, phone a bunch buds. of different colors. Yes, phone buds. Uh, Ashley, if you don't have these, you should get them. Get the one with the optional microphone built in. They're designed for great music and talk, engineered for durability. They work with every phone and MP3 player out there. And best of all, when you go to tweakedaudio.com and you use the checkout code MAJOR, 
you get 33% off your price. That's a big deal. That's right. Want to do all your holiday shopping and have all your friends love you <laughs> for the gift that uh, that you got them? Get them a pair of Tweaked Audio headphones and they will thank you, thank you, thank you for the next year. TweakedAudio.com. What else we got going on? Oh, uh, major spoilers poll of the week this week. I finally had a chance to put it up there. It's the Pick the Trade paperback. Uh, this week or this month, we have Next Wave Agents of Hate Volume 1, Punisher the Slayers, and Impure Blood, which is a kind of an independent comic. Why uh, do sound so violent? I know, right? <laughs> and I was just going down the list going, okay, what do we have? What do we have? What do we have? And just pulling them off, and uh, there you go. So right now, Next Wave Agents of Hate is there in uh, first place. Um, but it's up until the end of the week. So go cast your vote before Friday for the next major spoilers trade paperback. For the next wave of stories. Maybe that we should read. Maybe because we don't want to be a slave to, uh, to now yeah, we do want to be a slave to our to our listeners and our fans. We I want to. I, I kind of don't actually. We want to create great content <laughs> for our fans uh, around the world, wherever we're, they may working be. Working in concert. Yes, that. I, I am still waiting for someone from Antarctica to download this show. So if you are uh, in Antarctica and you are listening to our show, please let us know. Or Almost if you know every, someone in Antarctica. Well, no, we'll not if you know them someone into there. listening our show. But uh, <laughs> we have almost every country and uh, almost every continent uh, people listening around the world. So I want to get it 100%. How many people are in Antarctica? Like 26? Probably like something three. like that. <laughs> we, can, we can get there. We can get I to think, Antarctica. I think there's two permanent residents yes. and the rest of them are temporary. And one of them Seasonal. I know is a, yes, one of them is a priest who runs the church. There you go. Because uh, penguins need it. <laughs> interestingly, we don't have anyone from North Korea who uh, <laughs> downloads our show. Um, <laughs> and Antarctica. I wonder if we're behind a window. Uh, well, that or they just don't want it, uh, anyone to know. Let's see. Where, where else? Let's, let's see where else do we not have. Whoops, that's the wrong one to look at. Have we, have we got Liechtenstein? We have. Uh, every European country is, is represented. Um, most, there are only like three countries in, uh, Africa that have not downloaded. Um, so Belgian Congo, Bolivia, I don't, oh, Bolivia, 284 downloads, Greenland, 45 downloads, Libya has got 43 downloads. Chad has zero downloads. Chad. Yep. (laughs) Um, Ethiopia has 40, South Sudan has zero well, it's tough there. Yeah, I know. Uh, Papua New Guinea has six, and that's what just in this New last. Guinea? This is in the last day or so. Um, even Mongolia has two hundred and thirty-one downloads this week. That's Thank awesome. You, Mongolia. Yeah. Yep. South Korea twelve thousand. North Korea zero. Slacking <laughs> on me, South Korea. Uh, yeah, twelve thousand. They should be much, much higher than that. All right. Anything else you guys want to chat about uh, before we get into our guest this week? No, I'd like some chili. Do we have any chili? Oh, man. My son had chili tonight for dinner. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Does anyone like want to come to Sherman Oaks and help me move next week? That'd be rad. <laughs> I fell for that once yeah. before. Not with you, but with somebody else. What's the elevation in Sherman Oaks? Because it's I like may be more than level. useless. I think we're basically at sea level. Yeah. Because oh, we're well, right by the ocean. Yeah. So we'll all on I the other side of the Somebody, uh, somebody needs to send major spoilers money for two seats so that I can fly to Sherman Oaks and 
and then sit around and tell people what they should be picking up. You there, person, move that into the truck. Stephen Francis Schleicher. (laughs) What have I told you about making fun of me? That it's fun and we should do it every episode. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again for our monthly chat with Dr. Peter Coogan from the Comic Arts Institute. Dr. Coogan, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. What is on the agenda this this month? I mean, school has just started back up for you. A lot of people are are talking about uh, comics in school, but you've got a different uh, idea that you want to tackle this month. Yeah, yeah. I had actually thought we might talk about comics in school, but uh, and I've got some uh, ideas about that that we can talk about ways that I start my class and, okay. and so forth that work. I'm teaching, I'm teaching Scott McCloud right now. Oh, and cool. uh, actually, I had a group of students ask me if I had Scott McCloud's email address because they <laughs> want to bring him to class. And oh, I said, cool. Well, do but uh, do you have some money because it's not that uh, not that you need to pay Scott a lot, but if he's going to go somewhere, you got to pay yeah, for him. Fly come. and. I mean, put room and board, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what I want to talk to you about today is an idea that I've been kicking around for a little while. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that I'm working on um, about superheroes called iterability. Oh, I don't mean, great. Angry superheroes. Yeah. I don't mean irritability. Oh, okay. I mean iterability in the sense that uh, superheroes can come in iterations. Mm-hmm. And, and this is also true of other kinds of characters, but I think it operates differently with superheroes. Okay. And I think it's one of the things that um, that will keep superheroes going for a long time, as long as as long as there's some sense of uh, of kind of crime, as long as we have money mm-hmm. and there's power. I think that superheroes will continue to exist as a genre. Oh, sure. So yeah. I guess there's a couple of ways to look at this. Are you talking about? Uh, an iteration of a particular character like Robin, for example, where he started out as Dick Grayson and then he got old enough and then you have to put in a Jason Todd and then he's got to tell his story and move on. Then Tim Drake and then moves on and then you get Damian Wayne, an actual son of Batman. Is that is that what you're talking about or are we talking about something completely different? Well, there's there's two versions of iterability and, and both operate with superheroes in ways that they don't operate with other characters, at least not to the same extent, although they do ha- operate with series so i'll talk about star trek in a minute okay Um, but so my theory of iterability iteration is that in the first place there's no one true version of the character right so wherever you encounter the whatever version you encounter the first time right that Mm -hmm. first becomes sort of your version of the character yeah we talk talk about that a lot with doctor who in Mm -hmm. that uh, your very first doctor that you're exposed to is usually the one that you gravitate the most and right. it you know it just depends sometimes it uh i think with matthew it, it may not be uh the the fifth doctor but it was his transition into the sixth that yes. he really really got a kick out of for me yeah. it's three so right. those kinds of things sure yeah so and doctor who is very iterable as well he's one of the the there are some things that that limit his iterability a, a bit uh, he's not, I would say, as iterable as a superhero, but but mm-hmm. he's way up there as a character. So that's one thing, and and it, it does. It's not always that you you end up being attached to that character. So my first, it's that all the versions of the character are fully and equally the character. So ah, okay. my first Batman was the TV Batman, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and while I have a fondness and attachment to that, I I don't have a a Batman that I like. I like I like all the Batman, but for my daughters, their first Batman was probably Batman Brave and Bold. Okay. Right, right. But for them that was Batman. Mm-hmm. They weren't um they 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 didn't think of that Batman as being 
inferior or 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 disconnected or anything else that was batman for them so that green arrow that was green arrow all of those characters were those characters and yet <laughs> which is I, I think that's somewhat funny because yeah. those are all characters from uh, the silver age uh gold age golden age silver age exactly and yet when they encountered when we started watching um the um sort of the the teen well like on the teen titans so Mm -hmm. there's robin on there or you watch um um young justice right and so you have superman batman uh uh, aquaman and those characters on that show and so those are all aquaman is aquaman right Right. it's not there's not an inferior version of it now there's Mm -hmm. good and bad you Mm -hmm. can have you can have really really crappy versions but they're not any less the character and right. the the thing here is that 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 sense in which they are the character whatever iteration you're looking at is not rooted to a canon mm-hmm. so if you look at sherlock holmes sherlock holmes is very iterable but but not quite as much and, and here's why is that ultimately wherever you come in on with sherlock holmes you're probably going to go back and, and encounter the original Conan Doyle stories, right? right the canon. Right. And a, as good as Sherlock Holmes can be, and, so, and may even be better, the, the BBC version of Sherlock Holmes may be, I have to say for me, uh, has been a more exciting, enthralling media product hmm, than the okay. original Sherlock Holmes stories. Right. But I, I, I recognize, they kind of forced to recognize that the, the original has a kind of gravity, a kind of it's the kind of sun around which all the others um, rotate. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and so you know you can you can do Sherlock Holmes as a as a kind of bumbling fool that one with the uh, um, uh, uh, what was it the Sherlock Holmes is smarter brother or whatever yeah that, Sherlock yeah, Holmes is yeah. smarter brother you know that one the Nicole Bakerson mm-hmm. version. Um, you know, you can do Sherlock Holmes as a, as a drug addict. You can do the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, right? But even if you come in watching these, at at some level and at some time, the the real one is out there, okay. And and all the all the adaptation, they're all adaptations. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the other thing is that is that with a character like Sherlock Holmes, you can put him in the current day. You can do that. So you can change the setting. You can move him to America in the current day. <laughs> you can make Joan. You can make John Watson a woman. Right. But but at some level, the original setting has a pull on the character so that when when they make the Robert Downey Jr. version, they drop him back in the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's something about the character that is linked to the period in terms of the dynamics and the what the character stands for. And right. So, so uh, you can do the same thing with James Bond to some extent, but he always has to be British. Mm-hmm. You could put James Bond back in Arthurian days, but he'd still have to be called James Bond. Yeah. Right? You you theoretically could have somebody take on and pretend to be James Bond within within a text and continue to pretend to be James Bond. Mm-hmm. But that you would know that wasn't that wouldn't be equally James Bond. And the there's the texts, there's Fleming's books that right. always hold a certain place. Right. But with superheroes, there's no central texts. 
I, I, I guess I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, there's a comic book canon, which of course can be switched and altered depending on who's writing the book, but there tends to be with superheroes. I see as, you know, we know how Batman became Batman. We know how Superman became Superman. We know that his planet blew up. He got rocketed to earth. The Kents picked him up and raised him, moved to Metropolis, became a reporter and is secretly uh, a Superman. I mean, can we, can we not, I mean, that's kind of that thing that we all kind of have to agree on. Yeah. There's the core brand as, uh, um, as uh, Bradford Wright calls it. Okay. But what if Jim Gordon is Batman? Oh, we see that right now. Yeah. And is he not Batman? He is Batman. He is Batman. And, and Dick Grayson took over as Batman. And you have, you know, Brain, which is in the future, Bruce Wayne. In the future where they, they speed things up, including everybody's name. So he's yeah. not Bruce Wayne anymore. His name is Brain. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Batman of Zuran La. And, mm-hmm. and, and yes, these are different versions of the character in a sense. And, and, and in some ways they, they kind of, they kind of, uh, operate as a, as a, uh, uh, kind of circling around or rotating around the original, but take the flash. Mm-hmm. Who's the flash? Well, yeah, yeah that's going to start do. an argument. So be careful. Yeah. Um, and so you can do that with a superhero in the way that you can't, do it with Sherlock Holmes mm, or mm-hmm. James Bond. You mm-hmm. can take a completely different character. Right. You know, for many people, Hal Jordan? Who is Hal Jordan? Yeah, exactly. Green Lantern is John Stewart. Uh-huh. And so don't, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Right. And he's fully, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the Justice League animated series, mm-hmm. I don't remember Hal Jordan being in that series ever. The only time that Hal Jordan ever appeared in any of the animated series was, and I believe it was a Batman Beyond crossover yeah. uh, with um, uh, Static Shock, right. where there was some time manipulation disruption going on, and John Stewart switched momentarily to Hal Jordan, and then back. And I think that's the only time we've we've seen him in the quote unquote Justice League animated universe. Yeah, yeah. and so. John Stewart is fully Green Lantern. Right. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not inferior. He doesn't rely on um, Hal Jordan. You don't need Hal Jordan to come in and tell him he hand the ring over. The, but the same thing is true of Hal Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's the Silver Age Green Lantern, but he's not um, Alan. Yeah, he's not Alan Scott. Alan Scott, right. I was yeah. going to say Alan Ladd, but he's not <laughs> Alan Scott. Different person. <laughs> um, and, that I think is different because if you if you did that with a lot of characters with the Sherlock Holmes and the James Bond, um, you, you'd have to have some kind of handing off there. But because of the way the costume works, the mm-hmm. costume and the code name, mm-hmm. um, this is actually something I think uh, Michael Keaton talked about. The costume does the acting for you, right? And so with, with superheroes, that iteration can continue so you, you can keep having generational heroes of course you can do a universe reset mm-hmm. but and and some heroes batman superman um to, to a lesser degree captain america because bucky took over as captain america and right he, he was captain america mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know it, it, superman and batman it's a, it's a little bit more because they're mythic wonder woman right. you know other other women from uh from Paris Island have taken over as Wonder Woman. Right. And if you look at the Kathy Lee Gifford version of Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. she doesn't have the same costume. Even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's kind of interesting that you bring this up because with 
this quote unquote TV universe that we have right now with mm-hmm. Supergirl and Flash and Green Arrow and all the characters that are coming with that, a lot of people are like, well, how do we cope with the fact that there's going to be a Flash on television and a different person playing the yeah. Flash in the Justice League? And how does this work? And and it's messing up my mind. I mean, we'd get a lot of those kind of comments on both sides, including from myself. And it seems like if we look at these as different iterations and yeah. not try to make them fit into some kind of canon, right. it makes a lot more sense and you can live with it a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. And with superheroes, there is no canon. There are there are what I refer to as resonant tropes. Mm-hmm. So there are things that over time work. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those, for example, is with the Flash. He partners well, right? You know, so he partnered with Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, now on TV, he partners with Green Arrow, right? You know, and part of that's a Superman Batman dynamic that you take the the powered hero mm-hmm. and the no superpower hero and mm-hmm. put them together in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got that, but you don't necessarily have to have any one specific character. And and you could see, like, let's say Grant Gustine's, uh the guy who plays the Flash. Let's say he gets, you know, he gets to the end of his contract and doesn't want to do it anymore right well you've got kid flash yep got wally west coming in right Mm -hmm. and then he can just take it over and i think you're going to see that happen um once chris evans contract runs out oh yeah right they've got the actor who played bucky they've got the actor who played the falcon Mm -hmm. and one of them is going to take over for captain america and then that'll be captain america for a while Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be harder to do with tony stark i don't know how they're going to handle that i just uh, the way I look at that is it's it's just like James Bond. You just put a different person in the suit, and that's Tony Stark, and yeah. you just move on. Yeah, I think I think that's possible. That that's not a that's a slightly that's a that's a version of iteration, right? So, um, but it's a different thing with an actor taking over because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, that that's happened, you know, forever. Oh yeah, but but one of the other things about superheroes is a little bit different from other genres is you're not because the genre is based on the hero you can take that hero and if you have mission powers and identity you can change the setting Mm -hmm. you can so you can you can move you can move batman into the old west right right you could move um superman into the medieval period he'd be really different Mm mm-hmm that that might be slightly too much of a stretch, but well, I don't I don't think it is because uh, for the longest time DC had the um um what was the heck their alternate realities Gotham by Gaslight yeah. and um Red Red Sun yeah Th- those series that series went great of course they focused a little bit too much on Batman and Superman all the time yeah. but it was a the Elseworld series was a great way for us to see a different iteration of those characters in different yeah. time periods. Yeah, exactly. And and those that is Superman. Superman and Red Sun is Superman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and there they he's not from Krypton exactly, right? Right. I mean, he's well, I mean, he's, he's, he's from Krypton, he just didn't land in Kansas. Well, no, he's not from Krypton. Oh, that's right. It's the original Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's Siegel's original version of Superman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, I came forgot from the about future. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. even but it's called Krypton, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, even that, though, you know, there has to be this this 
change of, of time and space. But the uh, the Superman who was in the the radio show mm-hmm. arrived as a full grown adult. Mm-hmm. So no Kents, no Smallville, right. no Kansas, right? And yet that was Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that is uh, so. That's that's one version of the that's the one version of the iteration where you can where they're all essentially equal and the other version is what i was saying about the you can swap out the person behind the mask mm-hmm. yeah and so um another way i was thinking about this and 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 i'd like you to throw in here is that star trek has that kind of iteration in a sense okay so Captain Kirk doesn't. He he's always Captain Kirk, and you ch- can change some details about him. Mm-hmm. But he he first of all, he has to have the name Captain Kirk, and, right? And it helps if he has the relationship with with uh, Spock and and Bones. Uh-huh. Um, but he's got to be, you know, the start. It's got to be in the Enterprise. If you took him out of the Enterprise, it wouldn't quite work, and, right? And uh, it's got to be set in the, in our future. Mm-hmm. These kind of things. But Star Trek itself, as long as you have the setting, which is our future. You can put anybody in the captain's seat. Yeah, and we've seen that with a number yeah. of different um, uh, Star Trek series. Yeah. Uh, Voyager, uh, you know, Enterprise, for mm-hmm. better or worse. Yeah. Uh, even, even DS9, where instead of it's a spaceship, it's a space station. But it's still Star Trek. Exactly, and it's fully Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, y- you can start – many people started on uh, – on um, Next Generation. And there's a little right. degree to which there's a canon because the original series stands as, you know, not superior necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, a little more potent or a little right. more. Um, oh, yeah. I wasn't afraid, you know, to tackle tough subjects. Yeah. And, you know, the the nice thing is that they kept that around and didn't dismiss it and say, hey, we're going to start this over. It's, hey, well, let's jump forward in time. Yeah. And continue to tell these stories. Yeah. Still same Star Trek, still the same universe, just different players. But I think that was an excellent move on their part when they did Next Generation is instead of saying it's 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 Kirk and Spock, we're bringing everybody back. Mm-hmm. They leap forward because that enabled them to, you know, be free of that, the original characters. And now it, it is iteration, but it's a, it's a version of the superhero thing, if you think about it, because they have a clear mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got these identities, captain, first mate, science officer, mm-hmm. and then you've got the uniform, which functions as a kind of a costume and announces their identity. You right. Know? Um, and so you can have that and you can't take Star Trek and put it in the medieval period. No. You know, they can, you can send them through time, but you can't set it in the medieval period. Right. Yeah. It just wouldn't work. Right. Whereas superheroes, you can set in lots of of periods as long as you have mission powers and identity mm-hmm. um, in a way that works, you know, um, um, Superman could land in medieval England. There's, mm-hmm. there's been versions of that, but you could even have an ongoing series. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? um, and, and another thing that's kind of like this, actually maybe a little bit more, but again, kind of slightly limited um, is Arthurian stories. Mm-hmm. So y- you can bring, Knights up to the present day, you can have them live through time, but you're still kind of caught in the kind of medieval, um, dark age 
setting. And, and, and they really have to be tied. They don't really have to be tied to Britain because Parzival is German. And then, mm-hmm. of course, uh, there's the Lancelot, a lot of French. And you can have, you have Arthurian knights all over the continent. And they right. go to the, on the Crusades. But um, if you call somebody Galahad, he's Galahad. Mm-hmm. And Gawain, Gawain can have, can, you can depict him in lots of different ways, right? Right. Um, Parzival, Percival, uh, these, these characters, you know, they, they have a kind of constellation of characteristics, but those aren't really firm. And, and you can set them in, you can have a whole bunch of different kinds of things that they do, that they face off against. They, there is no core Arthurian text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's Mallory, but Mallory is really late in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so in that ways, I think Arthurian stories, you know, work well as kind of cognates for superheroes, but you can't really take them out of the feudal environment. Mm-hmm. I think they've tried it a couple of times. Still does it. It doesn't quite work, I, I don't think, in the end. I mean, certainly we've seen a series like Camelot 3000, which right. was set in the future uh, from a comic book's perspective. And that, but that still had this idea of, of feudalism in place. But yeah. if you tried to, I forget, I was trying to, when you first brought it up, I was trying to look up uh, the series that uh, came out not too long ago. Maybe it was Young King Arthur or Young Arthur or something yes. like that. Um, still set in medieval time, but... It, it had to be, or else people wouldn't believe right. the tale that was going on. Right. Are you talking about that Merlin show? Yeah, that's what it was, Merlin. Yeah. 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 And there you you it changes you change a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. Characterizations, relationships. Mm-hmm. And so for then it still works. Um but when you take it, uh what was that Ed Harris movie where they were on uh motorcycles? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. Um and and they're you know so they're jousting. Oh, Night Riders! Is that what Maybe. you're talking about from 1981? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So yes, they're jousting on motorcycles. Right. And and it had Arthurian. Yeah, Night Riders. And it had Arthurian <laughs> yeah. elements and overtones. Right. Uh-huh. King Williams tries to styles himself as he tried to lead the troop according to Arthurian ideals. Interesting. But without. You kind of find it would be difficult to have a series based on that oh, and to yeah. continue it. And it's a one-off and it, it's not King Arthur because mm-hmm. you don't have the fall of Britain right. as the motif. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this is the, this is my idea about the, about superheroes and iteration is that, and I think it's related to, superheroes in genre because where you can put science fiction anywhere anytime any setting right any place the western because because science fiction is really speculative fiction it's it, right. it's a it's a it's a kind of it's a rhetoric it's a kind of a way of thinking about the world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the western you know is bounded in time and space if you move it if you move it too far west, it becomes an Australian. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you if you move it too far back in time, um, it's not a Western anymore mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know they're in Europe, mm-hmm. right? You know, and the the a frontier story like Romans against the 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 Germans is not does not have the same dialectic as the Western, right? Because you have the fall of Rome coming up mm-hmm. instead of the the um, you know manifest destiny. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and you can think of other ones. The, the detective genre, you can place any, anywhere, anytime, oh, anyhow. Oh, sure. Yeah. But a specific detective character, if you take Didius Falco, there's a, there's a series uh, set in Rome. He's a detective. Mm-hmm. You take Didius Falco out of Rome, uh, how does he get to the future? How does, you know, it just mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Right. The same thing happens in some ways with Sherlock Holmes. He's, he's more iterable because you really just have to have the name mm-hmm. and the, um, and uh, you probably the need gimmick. Watson. Yeah. And then he just has to solve crimes. Right. And, but typically what happens there is he kind of needs to be British. Mm -hmm. And when you move him to Japan, you give him a different name. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So how, how then, how then should we approach the iteration of superheroes from a scholarly perspective? Well, I I think it's related to genre, which Mm -hmm. is. That, of course, is what I'm going to think. Okay. But um, I, I, think, I think one of the things it means is that um, when you're looking at different versions, when you're looking at adaptations, uh, especially when you're evaluating them, right. um, there isn't – they're not linked to a certain set of texts. They're not linked to the, uh, a certain set of meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, Superheroes are, are while while individual superheroes may have um, may have certain things that they're kind of about, like you know the X Men are about othering and, and marginalization, right? And, and, and Superman's about trying to be the, the the best kind of version of yourself. But still, that can uh, that can change. So that uh, there isn't a. Uh, there's good and bad versions of them, mm-hmm. but there's not a true version. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as 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 they say, it's not that it's not when people talk about um, making Johnny Storm black or uh, Miles Morales black or whatever. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's not that fans are racist; it's that they don't like change. <laughs> well, right? yeah, we've talked about that before, and it, and it sounds like at the bottom line of all this is. These are all iterations of an, a, a concept of these tropes that you were talking about. Yeah. And yeah. it's okay to have that. It's yeah. perfectly fine to have different iterations of, of Star Trek or Sherlock Holmes or uh, specific superheroes. And we, we can't get mired down into the minutia of, well, this happened in the comics, therefore it has to happen in this other right. media. Uh, and and just embrace it or not embrace it. I mean, you don't. Yeah. Nothing says you have to like, um, you know, uh, Nolan's Batman, right? If you're a fan of the '66 Batman, right. but there's going to be another Batman coming along soon enough, right? Right. <laughs> you know? And people will either love it or hate it. Yeah. And there isn't anything. There's very little that actually has to be there. Has to remain the same because you take. Batman, for example, and you think, mm-hmm. well, his parent, his parents get killed, and yes, his parents have to get killed, or do they? <laughs> right? True. Because we've all seen those ones where his parents didn't get killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know, Alfred. Well, Alfred wasn't there for the first, you know, eight years. Uh huh. So I think he came in forty-seven, something like that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um. Um. Peter Parker, you know, can be Miles Morales. Sure. And it can be. I mean, Peter Parker, Spider-Man can be Miles Morales. Hmm. But you could even have, you could, you know, as happened with with uh, Johnny Storm, 
he he's just black and he and yeah. sue are still you need a kind of a family thing there right but there there's very little that has to stay the same for it to work now mm-hmm. over time what's interesting and i think the daredevil tv show is a great example of how there is no core text the the truest version of daredevil now is frank miller's daredevil mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. stanley's daredevil is is gone i think right you know, you may bring him back occasionally, but but Frank Miller's Daredevil is the interpretation that rules, and and mm-hmm. although it could change, right? Oh and, yeah, I mean, in, in five more years, people will look at Mark Wade's stuff and maybe say right. that that's the definitive. Um, but I mean, the fact that that's what they base the TV show on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is really in the. Um, but even with that, you know, you you need certain things, but they don't have to stay the same. So Krypton, look at the differences of Krypton. And you know, in the the in the the original, they were they were advanced human beings, right? Super evolved human beings. Right. Uh, then they changed into aliens. You know, in the Red Sun, they're in the they're in the super uh, super future, mm-hmm. and and then there's different versions of them about how kind of hostile they are to Earth. Some are some versions of Krypton are 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 very you know the Kryptonians are very mm-hmm. welcoming to Earth. They like mm-hmm. Earth. Other ones like the uh, Smallville Kryptonians are very anti-Earth. The, right. Uh, Snyder's mm-hmm. Kryptonians are very anti-Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you just look at the depiction, the Superman the movies version of Krypton, right? Yeah. Which plays into um, the one in Smallville. Mm-hmm. Um, but not on Lois and Clark, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And then those Kryptonians are very anti-Earth, mm-hmm. anti-human. Mm-hmm. Um, you you could have all of those things. And, you know, you don't even have to have, like Lois Lane, you don't have to have Lois Lane. You can have Lana Lang. You need, a, you need some kind of romantic interest oh, sure, there sure. just for plot purposes. But Superman 1 million is Superman. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really glad you came on to talk about this because a couple of weeks ago, and I, it just popped into my mind, and I'm glad that we're talking about it, was that um, Warner Brothers sent me the complete first season of Gotham, uh, the mm-hmm. Fox television show. And, you know, love it or hate it from the story or the acting or whatever, it's not supposed to be the definitive origin story of Batman. It's nope. not supposed to be a retelling of things that have come in in the book form. It's right. not supposed to be a replacement or anything leading up to a movie or a TV show or anything like that. It is its own thing. Yeah. And I, I you're right. It is very hard, I think, for everyone to just accept that change or accept a different version of something because they've become so married or uh, entrenched into one line of thinking of a particular character or story or creator or whatever it may be from Doctor Who to Star Trek to, you know, Batman. Um, but, I, man, it it it's a challenge to get over that. But I think once you see that light and say, ah, eh, you know, it's just a different take on that tale, love it or leave it, you know, watch it or move on, I think that 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 calms the discussion that calms the vitriol down yeah. uh, over these constant changes and reboots and, and interpretations of a character, yeah. especially in the superhero genre. Yeah. And I would say it's built into the genre because, you know, the, the real marker of the superhero genre is the identity is code name and costume. Mm-hmm. You, you need to have mission there or they're not mm-hmm. a hero. Mm-hmm. You need to have powers there or they're not super. Right. But you need to have the code name and costume to make them superheroes. Right. Yeah. And, and that codename and costume mean, 
you know, you can put anybody in it. As mm-hmm. long as you have the code name and the costume there, lots of other things can change. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, and in the costume, even even the costume, you have to have, you need to have a costume because mm-hmm. you have to have iconic representation and, and the costume has to announce the character in a way. But, right. you know, Aquaman wears a blue suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aquaman, you know, the... the Has a the, magic water hand. Right. You know, he's white, but mm-hmm. he, I don't think he's going to be white in the future, right? Um, because he because of the actor playing him mm-hmm. on... Uh, Justice League. In the movie, yeah. yeah. In the Justice League movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, I think it's exactly what... It's, it's once we understand the kind of inherent iterability of superheroes i think it helps explain what's gone on that you know i i admit i'm i'm against crisis i always have been (laughs) like you know but now that was what 30 years ago oh yeah right if you look at that's as far we're as far away from that as that was from you know the beginning of the silver age 55 Mm -hmm. so I, i i think that Iterability gives us a way of of understanding something specific to the superhero genre that that's going to happen. All genres change and sure. and so forth, but I I think it's I think that superhero genre operates in a slightly different way within at the individual character level in a way that typically only happens like with Star Trek or Doctor Who mm-hmm. at the series level. And then happens all over at the genre level. Right. So I think with superheroes, you have all three of those levels operating, the micro, the macro, the mezzo, and the macro, in a way that for other properties, they only happen at the mezzo level or the, the macro level, at the, at the series level or the, uh, um, uh, the genre level. Because sure. even Doctor Who, yes, you have Doctor Who's different, but, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an outgrowth of the of the needs of the medium mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and yes, they're different, but they're not that different. No, right. 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 Well, this has been very interesting. You, you said at the beginning, this was an idea that you're working on and, and, yeah. and kicking around a little bit. So what's the next step for this? Are you going to turn it into a lecture? Are you looking at a paper to publish? Well, it seems like as yeah. we're talking, it's like, we need to talk more about getting over the problem of iteration and just enjoying the story for what it is at the moment. And maybe that's yeah. kind of what DC is trying to do right now with the new DC YOU yeah. uh, with trying to break from continuity and just tell interesting stories with these characters, right. even though there may be a quote unquote continuity conflict. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, uh, I have plans to get my book back out um, in print. This is something I'm going to add to it. Okay. I'll probably, I'm kind of uh, roped into going to WonderCon um, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for the future. And so I suspect that I will, um, put this together into something for WonderCon because we're usually, uh, when we do our conference there, um, it, it's a little, uh, it can be a little undersubmitted. And mm, so it's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's helpful if I have something to do there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I understand that. Well, so, you know, I'm going to go do that. And, uh, yeah. Um, so I think I can put it out in those forms. All right. Excellent. Anything yeah. else that we need to discuss before, we uh, in the show this week. No, I think that's about it. So Excellent. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk about that because I've been wanting to hash it out. Yeah, no, definitely. I thought that was an interesting discussion. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes somebody just telling you flat out 
here's what it is and here's why yeah. people have a problem with it for you to open your eyes and and it makes perfect sense everything that you're talking about yeah and now i have a uh, now i have a recorded version of it there you go <laughs> now you just need to type it up clean it up and there you go now i could just uh you know type up a transcript of our conversation yep and, uh, exactly and then um and then scholarify it. That's my actual, that's my, my uh, sort of next step yeah. is I need to find articles that deal with iteration, both in terms of kind of biology mm-hmm. to get the metaphor down. Mm-hmm. And then more importantly, in terms of, uh, of genre and character and so forth. I, sure. I haven't found much that's well, been of any use. But does um, Man of a Thousand Faces, the monomyth tie into any of this? Not at the... Not at the sort of micro level. I okay. mean, the the that's the, the high concept or whatever. That's above. That's the mm-hmm. uh, meta meta level, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. you have a formula that's kind of like um, ab- above the genre level, the kind of myth level. Okay. And so myths, you know, think about think about mythic characters: Hercules and mm-hmm. Thor, Samson. Mm-hmm. Those characters are able to repeat endlessly in endless mm-hmm. combinations in all different settings, and 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 they they completely work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's because they really are these um, these mythic characters. They right. kind of embody these ideals, and they're not they're not tied. Although they are tied often to their um, their cult, their specific cultures. They're not really kind of tied to their settings. Yeah. And so you can, as has happened, Marvel Comics has shown, Thor, you can just do it. You yep. can put him anywhere. Um, yep. But I, those characters are, exist pre-genre. And mm-hmm. so the pre-genre characters, I think, have more flexibility. I see. Than once you get genres. So, right. But well, I need, that's one thing. I, I want to look through yeah. kind of Arthurian stuff um i suspect there's some version of this argument made in arthurian studies mm, and okay. in, in myth is about repetition sure so um if you look in the bible there's what two or three creation stories in the first you know yeah. three verses uh-huh. um because that's the way that's the way myth operates it repeats um so it's connected to and and all genres are myth narratives yeah, that's how we forward our mythology through the genre stories we tell, and so some genres are more mythic than others in the way they present themselves. And superheroes are a more mythic genre, mm-hmm. but that's what I need to do is I need to look around. You've got your research cut out for you. Yes, I do, Doctor Peter Coogan. Thank you so much for joining us this month, and we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks again to Doctor Peter Coogan for joining us this week, and thank you, Ashley, and thank you, Matthew, and thank you, dear listener, for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. You really do mean a lot to us. That wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers podcast. Do check out the website, Majorspoilers.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Majorspoilers. And, of course, go check out our VIP site, members.majorspoilers.com, and find out how your small monthly contribution can help us out and help us do more stuff for you. All right, we're going to be back next week to talk about more comic books and more pop culture goodness. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. And we will talk with you soon. X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! 
about about way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Raven rich like a man of iron. I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.